Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Prime Flicks Roulette. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me for Prime Flicks Roulette, formerly Netflix Roulette, but we added Amazon. Nicole Davis, how are you? Mm, allergies. Yeah. Oh, I thought you was response to your movie. I, I thought it was a response. Oh, to the well, movie. that too. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about the Netflix edition of the Guardian Brothers, and we'll we'll talk about that later. Yes, yes, we will. Uh, David Luzader, how are you? I'm doing well. Now, people, you're able to see this, um, but just know that my vocal tract and my uh, my mouth are not moving in sync at all. And once you notice that, it's really going to kind of ruin everything. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, people got paid. And I'm glad <laughs> they got paid because once this movie came out, no one else got paid because the box office was abysmal. Uh, but before we introduce this movie for Prime Flicks Roulette, David, next week is Future Classics. That means it's a film, your pick, that has come out in the last decade. So at this point, 2021 and sorry, 2011 and onward. Uh, what are you picking? Hey, everyone. Editor Nicole jumping in here right after an allergy attack for that premium vocal quality you've come to expect from me to let you know that next episode's future classic pick from David will be Kubo and the Two Strings. I wasn't able to find it streaming on a subscription service, but it is available to rent streaming uh, on many platforms if you want to go check that out. Alrighty, check that out for next week. But this week we watched The Guardian Brothers, also known as Little Door Gods. The Guardian Brothers is the Americanized Weinstein Company version that you find on Netflix, and that is what myself and David watched, but we'll get into that. Uh, There's a crisis in the Chinese spirit world. Humans don't believe in gods anymore. A door god facing unemployment, ventures into the human world to find a way to show humanity that the gods are still needed, leading to unexpected encounters and transformations for humans and spirits alike. So this bad version of Coco exists <laughs> before or after Coco, first of all. Like, let's just hammer that right out. <laughs> so this is 2015 or 2016. I think it's actually pre-Coco, so I can't I can't make fun of it for knocking off Coco themes. So at least it's got that going for it. Yeah, Coco is 2017, though animation the, things are in work for so long, and it's also in China. So I think there's enough separation there. Yeah, that they yeah, probably came up separately. So so right off the bat, let's talk about the differences before we dive into the actual discussion, because there is, again, the Guardian Brothers and Little Door Gods. Now, Guardian Brothers on Netflix, this is the Weinstein Company one. This is the one with a shockingly competent but clearly bored voice cast. Uh, <laughs> the, like well, Nicole let's... Kidman, Mel Brooks is here. So, yeah, uh, so let's Edward just... Norton. Let's... Mel right. at least is trying. He's badly miscast, but at least he's going for it, you know? Yeah. Dan Fogler, <laughs> Edward Norton, uh, Bella Thorne, which, oh boy, I can't wait to talk about Bella uh-huh. Thorne in this movie. Nicole Kidman, Mel Brooks. Helen Mirren? Is it Helen Mirren? Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, I'm sorry. 
yeah, just a, an impressive, like not cheap voice cast. No, not at all. Like th- these are people that, I mean, like I mentioned it in, a, <laughs> like I jokingly referred to, they all got their paychecks, and you know, this is this was the last Weinstein Company co-production before they shuttered, and and I have some thoughts on on how well they handled all of this. But but there is an original version, Little Door Gods. Now, that is available on YouTube, correct, Nicole? Yes, there are two pretty decent versions on YouTube. One claims to be HD, but every time there's a lot of uh, particulates on screen, it goes all pixely. The other one is a little bit better. It's not going to be 100%, but it is, it's still lovely. It's still very watchable in that form, and I would still very much recommend that over the version that's available on Netflix. Right, right. Okay, so, so you did watch both, correct? I did, yes. I watched the one on Netflix first and got real, real mad and <laughs> went and looked it up on IMDb and then on Rotten Tomatoes, and I said, the one on Netflix is an hour and 25 minutes, but both of these say it's an hour and 43 minutes. What's going on here? And it's the Weinstein Company at it again, taking a foreign property and gutting it and slapping a bunch of pop songs on it and <laughs> remarketing it to U.S. customers. And wow, did they... They how, how, sucked all the soul out of this movie and made it almost incoherent. <laughs> how many levels deep problematic is taking out any chance to put in authentic music and instead use Kung Fu fighting multiple times? <laughs> um, so the, the <laughs> so many time, levels. The first time they do it, it's just like the musical sting from the beginning. And I'm like, that sucks that you did that. <laughs> Then they go all out, but that's all you. That's that's all you did. Okay, fine. But then at the the climax of the movie, here comes the whole song, and I was walking my dog while while watching this part of the movie. I almost just chucked my phone as far as I could get it. They use celebration twice. Yes, <laughs> twice. Yes. They don't just use like modern pop songs, and they, so they spent money not on the voice cast. But also on music licensing, like these are not cheap <laughs> songs to get, right? And it's it's funny because Nicole, you put in our docket, you know, why these pop songs were there? No composers in China in need of work, and they, at to your point, David, they surely could have been cheaper, more likely than than licensing uh, kung fu fighting. Yeah, I would like to point out that the the original version, which I watched, which has ch- the Chinese voice cast and it's got English subtitles that seem to be pretty well done. That version has a lovely classical style score. You know, it's modern classical, but it's a, you know, it's an orchestral score. And it's beautiful. And they've got, there's a couple of pop songs. There's like a Chinese pop song in there. There's an original bit that they do when all the gods gather in that sort of auditorium space, which is a completely characterized completely differently in the original Chinese version. And there, <laughs> oddly enough, Careless Whisper is in both versions. Okay. What? So, that is, so that's that interesting is because... very surprising. Because I put Careless Whisper as its own discussion topic in our docket because I just, I just felt the need to take a moment to reflect on the fact that there is a scene in this movie where they have this... 
this soup shop that is the centerpiece of the movie, and they're serving soup that all of a sudden is phenomenal because of the secret ingredient they're putting in it. And this old man is eating the soup and then has a flashback of like seeing his young wife for the first time as she walked out of a building, you know, wind billowing through her young, beautiful hair with careless whisper playing in the background. Before it cuts back to him being like, this is really good soup. And... (laughs) I just don't know what to make of that scene, but I love it. It's the only part of this movie I like. It's wild to me that they also used Careless Whisper in the Chinese version. (laughs) That's so weird. absolutely did. I was very surprised myself. Oh, that's so good. And it's not a lot of it either. It's like a five-second little bit. Yeah. No, but it's it's, it's the part where The saxophone bit. (laughs) Right, right. Oh, Oh, that's too funny. I because for some reason he's not listed on the Wikipedia one, but I just also want to mention that Randall Park is in this movie, the only Asian person doing a voice in this movie or in the English dub, I should say. Yeah, and it's not recognizable nope, as his not voice at all. No, it's really not. And and here's the thing, I you know I threw this in our docket that like this movie is emblematic of Western studios carelessly repurposing another culture. Yeah, because it's cost effective. It's, you know, it's cheap. They can put big names on it. And, you know, none of these people spent longer than an afternoon in the recording booth. Oh, no. They they were, yeah. Nobody yeah. was ever met each other. Nobody was near no, each other at any point. Absolutely not. They were just given the lines, minimal to no direction. Yeah, recorded it and left. Oh, for sure. Uh, and, and, like, I think of, like, a Miyazaki dub, because, you know, we've seen those here on the show. And, like, and they're, they're different. Like, I understand it's a different beast, and we're, we're comparing... Like this piece of, you know, every movie is a piece of art. This is a piece of art. You know, uh, Miyazaki is Picasso. <laughs> like it's a different ball game, but it's a masterpiece. Like he, he makes masterpieces. But the point being is like when they do bring in those Western studios and they do those dubs and, and, and you know, they're they're very, at least in my opinion, like they had they have reverence for how great the material is. The voice acting is usually pretty great. Like I think of Howl's Moving Castle, we've discussed on the show, and you know Christian Bale and and you know Billy Crystal. Like they work in that movie. Like it totally works, and you can tell they care about the original subject matter, and you just don't feel that at all in any of these voice actors. Just no. not one iota. I was like, is Nicole Kidman even awake? For this performance, <laughs> Edward Norton yeah. even awake. Literally, his it's the most flat delivery for a man that has a very expressive voice. Does he? I don't know. I think he kind of does. <laughs> I've never thought of his voice as particularly expressive. I think don't don't get me wrong. I think he is capable and has been an extremely good actor, and he's mm-hmm. capable of fantastic performances. But his voice is not what I would consider to be uh, dynamic in any sort of expressive way. Which is not to say that he can't do a good job voice acting. Like, I would say the same thing kind of about Christian Bale. Christian Bale's a great actor, but I wouldn't say that his voice is one that like lends itself in the way like going back to Howl's Moving Castle, like like Billy Crystal's does. You know, Billy Crystal knows how to be animated with his voice. Uh, but, he, you know, you could still do this character. He's trying to be the very self-serious character kind of guy. And instead, he's just like, I'm here to break the seal. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Edward Norton has put in e- excellent 
vocal performances and animation before when he did Isle of Dogs. Oh, he yeah. does a great job in Isle of Dogs. Yeah, absolutely. And without his voice being tremendously dynamic, but it's still, wait, you know, you get much more feeling out of it than here. Yeah, where oh, it's man. just like, uh, I have to go free the monster so yeah. that humans will know that they need us. Okay, yeah, bye. Talking, talking about Isle <laughs> of Dogs, I, I gotta, not, not only a contender for my favorite movie title of the decade, but, uh, Definitely a future classic I'm bringing at some point. I'll, I'll let the listeners into that early. But then there's the opposite. We're like, Mel, Mel Brooks has that dynamic voice that we're referring to. And he is so horribly cast because his voice does not match the character. And I'm willing to give quite a bit of leeway in voice acting. And, and I want all types of people to get cast in all types of voice acting roles. But his voice on this particular character doesn't work because it's like it's an 85 year old man's voice on what seems to be like a caricature of like a greasy italian man next door like what is this dude he's you know he's some dude in like his maybe his late 40s or something some just some skeevy (laughs) unscrupulous businessman Mm-hmm. who is trying not only to, you know, take over the restaurant next door, but kind of vaguely hit on the owner yeah. of that place. So, yeah, it, it, uh, the, the like four plots that are like shoved into this movie. It, it's all so poorly, poorly so poorly connected. <laughs> and then this is something that I can't imagine that, that even the original version can really fix because there's, you know, there's these two brothers who uh, I, I'm forgetting their names now. It's uh, uh, Shen Tu and Yu Li, and Yu Li is or no, yeah, it's Yu, Yu Li is Edward Norton, and Shen Tu is, right. is Dan Fogler. And Yu Li is this whole thing of like, I want to make it so that humans uh, rely on guardians again or gods again, and that we can protect humans and that they'll like like us. So I'm going to go release this great big evil thing, and uh, we'll have to fight it and band together. That's the B plot of the movie. <laughs> right. The, I, I might end the world is the B plot to a little girl and her mom have to run a soup shop after <laughs> after the grandma dies. That's the A yeah. plot of the film. And then they overlap very messily, like not in a way that I yes. think it works really kind of at all. Thank you, David. Yeah, yes. in taking it from an hour and 43 minutes down to 85 um they cut out quite a lot and the editing job is absolutely a hack job and they you know they write around it with meryl streep's narration there is no narrator in the original i knew it (laughs) the storyteller Yes, the yeah. storytellers in there to make sure oh. you know why oh. you're looking at what you're looking at. On if screen. anyone, if anyone's doing a great job, it's Meryl Streep. Like, well, sure, <laughs> not she's not going to do much there. But I'm like, you know what? Hey, pretty competent narration by Meryl Streep. She is right. doing what she can with what she's got and trying to make it sound magical. You know, uh-huh. she's right. That's what she's going for. Two of these spirits were the Guardian Brothers. And she would hit it if they hadn't, like I said, sucked all the soul and cultural impact out of this movie. This is giving American children no credit 
for being able to understand yes. that there are other cultures and other traditions on this planet. <laughs> and sure. maybe they might be able to figure out what's going on if you give them some hints, you know? Right. Cough, <laughs> Coco, cough, right? Like it is like to go back to Coco, it handles it much better. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't shy away from its Mexican heritage and it doesn't, no. doesn't try to. Yeah. I, I get, I totally hear you. Oh, David, you mentioned like the B plot is this like you're exemplifying my biggest frustration of many, which is that there is like a hero supposedly until he it kind of becomes like the hero that accidentally destroys everything. He is globe trotting. Like every time we see him, he's in a new and exotic location destroying these seals and he has to defeat different odds or bad guys or guardians along the way at every single seal in order to do whatever he has to do. And these are like fairly cool locations and it just cuts to them for like two minutes at a time the final one where he goes to destroy the final seal to unleash this monster is oddly next to a highway overpass i don't know if you guys noticed that but like there's just a highway going next to it yeah no i did now did the ending make any sense to you did you have any sense of who that guy in the building was No. no i have absolutely no idea not a clue. There's yeah. this old man that that's like this. This is like this harbinger inside the building. And he's like, "Come, I've been waiting for you for all these years. Destroy, yeah, yeah, destroy the seal." Like, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, and it's way more poetic. Now, I'm not going to say that the the original Chinese version is like this masterwork that's been completely <laughs> butchered. I mean, it's sure. it's a very good, perfectly nice family movie. And it's got some really nice artistic touches to it, especially this bit at the end, which verges on poetic. Because this guy, at the beginning of the original version, uh, we see this puppet show. And you you see it in the Netflix version, but it's covered over with Meryl Streep's narration to try to give some backstory. In the Chinese version, it's a puppet show, and it's about how humans can become gods like back in ancient days some humans became gods and some tried and failed and some gods just sort of came to be uh from sort of invented from the hearts of humanity yeah and so they just sort of came into being and he talks about the door gods at the end and he sticks his head out of the puppet booth and he's like how many of you have door gods on your doors and like nobody's there watching his (laughs) puppet show but at the end of the movie it's that that man is in that building and he has created all these images of Yule and his brother Chento. And they're all around this building. And Yule comes in and he's like, I don't understand why, you know, who are you who's doing this? Who are you to have all this power? Yeah. And he just says, I'm an ordinary man. I'm just an ordinary human. But it is from the hearts of humans that the gods were born. Yeah. I'm one of many who created you, is basically what he's saying. And it's just like, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's cool. That's kind of deep. Far more an interesting. Concept. Yeah. yeah. Removing and that I mean, just made him like unnecessarily sinister. <laughs> like, unnecessary. There's no, there's right. no point to him being there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh So, I mean, it's just, it's part of one of the big things that got chopped out. And the other part is that Yule is the bad guy. 
at the end of the movie in the Chinese version. Not intentionally, but, you know, it's not just like that he created the monster, but like that's that's him. That was oh. his like a reincarnation. He's a reincarnation of that monster. They they were they were guarding it on their original mountain where he and his brother live. You know, that tree is the monster that's been restrained, but in like Yule gives it new life from himself. So he's like the creator of the creature in going out to free it. He creates it all over again. And so that's why it looks like him at the end of the movie. Interesting. Why it's got his face. You know, and each time he breaks a seal, he like gives more of himself into the creature. Right. So I mean, so I'm like, this is interesting. This is deep. This is like looking into the human character, into the nature of man and of gods and whatever. And it's, and in the Netflix thing, it's just like, oh yeah, here's this monster. It sucked the life force out of you, and we gotta defeat it. And okay, let's throw stuff at it until it dies. You know, it's just right. Like, by the time we get there, we've been so and put warned. in surf music. Which is <laughs> oh yes, not because in the surfs. original. Thank you very much. Oh lord. Yeah, by by the time we get there, it's just so <sighs> worn down by soup shop plot, and and this and this plot of him breaking these seals comes up so infrequently that I forgot about it for stretches of the movie. Right. <laughs> And the soup plot just turns into them trying to pass a health inspection. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and so boy. Here's my biggest frustration with this movie, and I am so boggled by the stupidity of the way it's written. The, the movie starts off by saying, and Yule's idea is, no one believes in the door gods anymore. They've taken down their posters, so we can't even really go to that many places within the world because people don't believe in us. They don't need us. They don't want us helping them. But there was a time where people did believe in us and we did help them and everything was great. And then they slowly stopped believing in us. And then at the end of the movie, they unleash this thing on accident and they save the day and everyone believes in them, in them again. And they put the posters back up, well, but not really, but at the very least, like they put the posters back up and yeah. then the voiceover from the storyteller or whatever says, Oh yeah. In fact, they rarely ever visited again. And <laughs> yes. I'm like, then what was the point? <laughs> yeah. What was the point of this entire goddamn movie if you did not ever visit again? If the whole point was that you would come and help people, but if you don't really need to help them after this is all done, what would what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's no strong connection between Rain and Yule. Like right. that she like rushes off to go help him. But the, I, I I laughed out loud when it was like and they rarely come back to the human world anymore. Right. Like, Thanks for two, wasting my time. The two brothers go and start a food truck in the spirit world. And that's the finale for them. Not them helping people and doing all sorts of things because people now believe in them and they can be helpful again. No, they open up a food truck. Like, this movie... I, mean, I would bad, love to say life. that that's hugely different in the original. I, I'm not surprised <laughs> that it's not. In... The original version, the gods, yes, people are relying on them less. They believe in them less. So in the spirit world, they're going to do check-ins to see like how many posters each god has up, you know, and whether they've still got a job doing their original thing. 
And all the other gods have to report for retraining, which is what that meeting is in the spirit world, oh. where in the Netflix version, it's they go see the mayor who yes. declares that they're going to cut off from the human world, and then they celebrate with a dance party. <laughs> uh-huh. And the first celebration license, yeah. In the Chinese version, this is much more culturally appropriate to modern China, is they go to job retraining, and they d- the wealth god comes in, floating in on a little cloud with a stock ticker wrapped around it, and <laughs> he comes in and he like gives them a he gives them a, a TED talk and they do calisthenics to right. like this sort That's of rap that he's doing. That's what it was supposed to do. Or supposed so, to do. <laughs> which is something that they, that they do in China. Yeah. You know, they have like yeah. group exercise things and as sort of motivational, you know, team building sort of stuff. And <laughs> it's just, and the, ah, oh, this is something that drove me, you know, so at the, at the end, the door gods have more people believing in them, you know, and more people with the posters up. So it's like they can go back to Earth and they do visit sometimes, but because they're not needed as guardians of the Nian anymore, they're free to open up this restaurant in the spirit world because they have some f- more more free time to go do that. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So that's why. But I mean, I got to I got to walk it back to the thing again with the meeting and the mayor because in the Netflix for in the, in the original Chinese version, he's like this enthusiastic middle management character who's trying to whip everybody into, you know, yay, new jobs, new purpose. Let's go, you know, and he's just got an ordinary uh, enthusiastic middle management guy voice. And in the Netflix version, he's coded as like this gay teenager. I don't know. <laughs> That's how it read to me. The way the yeah. voice actor was doing it. The voice actor sounds very young. And he's playing it in this sort of... Uh, <sighs> very wussy way that could be read as gay-coded, I'm going to say. Like, he's... the. It's just so... It's so odd. It seemed like such an odd choice. Well, and that's not the only odd choice when it comes to oh, God. vocal acting. <laughs> this central eight-year-old sounds twenty-five. Bella I mean, yeah, so let's let's break this down here. <laughs> tried, didn't try at all to change no. her voice. Not one bit. Maybe the spirits will help us because the voice actor is twenty-five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Bella Thorne, she, do you want to unpack that? <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. Why? I mean, what is why, there to... And I mean, why, not just 25, but I mean, like, she's an alto. You know, it, she has this low, yeah. mature voice that she doesn't try to, like, lift or lighten in any way whatsoever to make herself sound younger. Uh, it, it totally... I mean, here's, here's what it was. And I mentioned before, it was just they got in the booth and it was probably like, okay, what do I do with this? Yeah, just read the lines. Okay, was there anything? Just, just read the lines. Like, come on, we we got the studio for twenty more minutes. Just read your lines and please get out of here. Yeah, no, no. My my confusion of hearing Bella Thorne in a children's movie lies different places. Um, granted, most of the things that would make her problematic to be a children's movie 
vocal star have happened since this movie came out. But where I know Bella Thorne from is the woman who put the bitch on Bella Thorne song out. The one that went on OnlyFans and made a million dollars in a day. The one that oh, made yeah. the, the Pornhub movie that went to <sighs> award shows. Okay, because I had no idea who this person was. She, she partnered with a porn website to make like a full-length movie that was like not necessarily porn. It was like... A romance movie. <laughs> she like was in a few movies, and then yeah, Brett's right. She's like was like, oh, I'm gonna get into porn, but not really, and did it all for money. Went. My understanding is she like went on OnlyFans and got people to give her a ton of money, and then like never did anything on there or just like clothed pictures. Yeah, yeah. She earned a million dollars in a day. It like broke all the records of the website. So just like point being, like I. I have absolutely no qualms whatsoever with OnlyFans or whatever it is you want to do on the internet, but she's just such an, a bizarre public figure because she's gone through like the the route of I'm going to make music that is purposely like incendiary and aggressive, and then there was like the the adult industry side of it, and then there was the OnlyFans side of it, and then like a couple other things. Like I know she's gotten in a bunch of trouble for a bunch of other stuff, but I think I think a lot of that's happened after this movie. Probably, but I mean, who's seen this movie? Why would it even matter? Nobody <laughs> even cares. Yeah. yeah, but it's just so it's so weird hearing that voice coming yeah. out of it's, this supposed little girl. Every time, it is jarring. I don't understand. But, but let's, can we talk about, <sighs> speaking of little kid voices, the, oh, I forget what they call themselves in the Netflix version, the mischief babies or whatever. Oh, the little right. vampire babies. Yeah. yeah. Little vampire babies. <laughs> the, the ones that are fight, footing around with the guy. The, that was at least amusing to me because they kept like saying things really quickly in between everyone else's dialogue that were like sometimes random or like really stupid, but it was at least amusing. No, they, I mean, that's the, they sure. serve the same purpose in the Chinese version, you know, where they're just comic relief thrown in and, and little comic characters. They're supporting the night spirit. Right. That's the guy who's, you know, sort of in the the dark robe who's going around checking in on all the gods. And the reason it's the night spirit is because they're checking checking in on where the gods are at midnight. Which is why it's so important that Shinto has Yule's robe because it's got like some stone on it. There registers on his oh, scanner. Yeah, right. So oh, sure. he holds up and he's bribing one of the babies to scan it and pretend that it's there, which because he's giving <sighs> gotcha. him these what are very obviously pork buns, but they keep calling cookies. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was very weird. I know they're pig shaped. You just yeah. call them pork buns. They've got little pig noses and pig ears on them. Oh, that reminds me of it, that in the old, not the old, because I guess Pokemon is still on, but in the original run of the Pokemon cartoon, when it, they were doing the dub, uh, Brock, this character Brock, was making these like rice balls, and they called them donuts in the English dub. And that was at least <laughs> done with a bit of like tongue-in-cheek, we're making a joke out of this, where yeah, just call them pork buns. And it, kids will figure it out. Oh, it's a thing called a pork bun. Or, heaven yeah. forbid, they want to try a pork bun. Oh. 
Yeah. Or heaven right. forbid, you know, some Chinese American children might know what pork right. buns are already and be able Either to watch this movie and enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um another another qualm of mine I just wanted to throw out there, and I'm just confused by it. Why is this little child always being accosted by gangs of roaming feral dogs? <laughs> You're asking a great question. It's like, not a hundred percent clear in this is a thing like three times in the movie that she's getting bullied by the neighborhood dogs yeah Yeah. it's not 100 percent clear in either version it's a little bit kind of explained in the chinese version that she's moved she and her mother have moved from a big city presumably either after her father died or left right um you know they've moved back to the mom's hometown and so it's a it's a smaller town and there are stray dogs running around in the town that nobody takes care of. And so that is, you know, that's a legit thing that people sometimes have to watch out for in less urban areas. So what you're saying is she did she didn't pay protection money to this <laughs> right. of dogs who yeah. obviously protect the neighborhood. Dogs that act like dogs most of the time, unless they're on a little rolling cart, in which case they will push themselves along. Oh yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's, it's so incredibly targeted. Like, like multiple times in this movie, these dogs surround her and then yeah. have these like these these just aggressive facial expressions. And like, there are so many other ways to put the girl in distress where she needs to be saved have her be bullied by other kids at least that makes sense um, i mean and she then, is a little bit you know because she's the yeah. city kid and they think that oh, she's right. stuck up so they don't want to talk to her no they, they totally do but but the impetus of 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 Yule coming and saving his first human when he first you know comes to to the to earth is like saving her from the dogs it's just it's such a bizarre it, 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 is, it exemplifies everything I find so weird about the script, which is just that like nothing connects. Like none of these ideas are cohesive at all. No, um, no. When even it, like one line explaining like the dogs are like, oh, she smells delicious, you know, because she works in a soup shop. Yeah, sure, sure. Even that, you know, right? She's got some food in her pocket or something, right? Yeah, some, she has she spill soup got spilled on her earlier in the day, so the dogs won't leave her alone, and they keep following her around. I don't know. It, Anything would be good. It, and there's also a completely pointless scene where the the mom and daughter are like, "Well, let's try to improve the recipe," and the voiceover is like, "Well, if you you know sometimes they fail, and if you don't try and fail, then you know you're not human." It's like, <laughs> it's like what is the what is the point? What is going on? Right. Whereas they have to do it in the Chinese version because they accidentally get petals in their ancient soup recipe and everybody loves it. Which that does happen in th- in the Netflix version as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. But so they have, but they run out. So they have to come up with a substitute and the little girl's like, wait, but this is like the hundred year old recipe. And she's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's time we added our own touch to it. You know, says the mom. And right. I'm like, okay, cool. And I mean, in the Chinese version, it's also kind of implied that not only is this a hundred year old recipe, 
but the actual soup that's in the pot is a hundred years old. The, the stock. That the they stock. Use. Well, they they do that in the, in the Netflix old? one too, because the inspector but, comes oh. in. She says, "Here's my hundred year old soup," and he's like, "No wonder people are getting sick." It's rotten. Have we talked? I don't think we've talked about. And she's like, no, it's been boiling for a hundred years, literally. Oh my <laughs> like, gosh! Have, have we talked There's all about no Microbiglia's uh, appearance in this? And oh, is what? he the inspector? Yeah, he's the inspector. Okay. Yes, it's uh, weird and bad. The peacock yeah. dance. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. There's a moment where he gives a, a dramatic dance reinterpretation of his Halloween peacock costume. According to the Netflix version. And, 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 yeah, and again, in the original, like, you get to see that you get to see the original scene that happens at Halloween. And oh. I mean, that's, that's when Shento first visits earth. Wait, so and he his wasn't first lying? visit is entirely cut out from the Netflix version. Oh. He makes an additional visit that is not in this <laughs> version. So he comes. That, that, that gag makes no sense without that. Seriously. Yeah, he, exactly. <laughs> you know, he shows up uh. and the little girl's like, wow, your costume is awesome. Because it's Halloween and it's okay that he's dressed like this and it makes sense to her. And she talks her mom into going out that night and dressing up for Halloween. And they go out. And I kind of get why they cut it because in the Chinese version, they go to a nightclub and the little girl is making alcoholic drinks for her mom and Shento <laughs> while there's dancing and this dance contest is going on. And so like there's this dance costume contest and the little girl and Shento and the mom are all out dancing and the health inspector in his peacock costume is dancing out on the floor and they, you know, the little girl and Shento win the win the dance contest and they go home and Shento has to carry everybody home because they're too drunk and the little girl is too tired. <laughs> we saw two entirely different movies. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't realize these 20 minutes had so much. So I was just like, how could they have fixed this? Obviously, they don't want to put a little girl making alcoholic drinks in an American movie because that is not something that they do in American movies. Right. But like they could say, you know, that she was making drinks with a lot of sugar in them and Shento wasn't used to it over in the spirit right. world. And it was yeah. making him act all funny, you know, whatever come right. up with something. And the mom was just exhausted from being in the soup shop all day and then dancing. So she's acting all silly, fine, you know, something, but leave this in somehow. Oh my god! This movie's <sighs> exhausting, guys. I'm tired. I got to go to bed after this. It's seriously. Uh, so, where we see this plot before with the humans don't believe in us anymore, so we'll just go away forever. Yeah, this is. I mean, it's a it's a well worn trope at this point. I can't put my finger on which besides Coco, but <laughs> uh, I, I thought you were getting at Coco because Coco's got that for sure. No, but I mean, I've, I've seen this in at least like two other yeah. movies where it's like the humans don't believe in us anymore. So either like we're going to disappear forever or we can't come. Like the, the stakes, the stakes anymore. The stakes at every point in this movie are so low. <laughs> like the gods, the gods aren't going to disappear. They're just not going to go to Earth anymore. Yeah. Okay. That's like big, big deal. Cause you didn't say you're going down there for a, a long deal. time. 
the, you the, know. the soup shop, they moved there to take care of the soup shop, but it kind of feels like if it, if it closed, they're not going to be like homeless and destitute. Like they would just go back to their old lives. Right. Like even, even I'm going to revive this God or this spirit that we're going to have to fight to, to set everything back into the old ways. It's just treated with so little consequence. Yeah. Like even after Colossus, the big guy that he uh, tricks in the first one, you know, he, it's, it's so much of like, eh, who cares? It'll be fine. Nothing feels like it matters at no. any point in the movie. No, not really. Not Except at all. when the poor like flower goddess gets sucked up and Yule does nothing to save her. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that's that's one of the best animated parts of the their little fight is it's one of beautiful. My parts. Yeah. It's, there's some it really reminded me of like that the sequence in Hero where they fight oh, yeah. in like the mm-hmm. grove with all the leaves and yeah. everything. There's some just there's some really nice, really beautiful animation in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not best like all around. You know, the people are pretty plasticky kind of looking, but but some stuff with the gods and the spirit world. I'm like, that's really nice. I really enjoy looking at that. Yeah, I I, yeah. I think I, I think I phrased it in our docket like this is some DreamWorks level shit. Like this is fine. It's not Pixar. It's not Disney. That's okay. But like this is passable as something that DreamWorks would put out at least in terms of quality. Yeah, um, it's lovely. It's it's you know? very cute. Like like you guys said, the Dream World, especially like the the vibrancy of all the colors they use and the the ideas that they put into the way the I love the little inner workings of the spirit world, whether it's the, the pun making news anchors on their, their local TV station in the spirit world. It was a turtle disaster. It was a turtle disaster. Right. It was a turtle disaster. It was a turtle disaster. And Nicole, you mentioned that in our doc, you know, the flying whales and world carrying turtles that we get to see yeah. for all of all of 15 seconds, but like, it's really pretty and cool and unique. Would have loved to see more of that. Yeah. Yeah. I sure would, <laughs> but we don't. You're not wrong. No. Nope. <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, this is a Chinese movie set in China uh, with an original Chinese voice cast. Obviously not in the Netflix version. But on Netflix, does not even have a Chinese audio track. Like, you cannot. No. The reason we're differentiating them is because you can't, even if you wanted to, watch a Chinese audio of this track. You can't even watch Chinese subtitles of this track of this movie. No, you can, they did have subtitles. Oh no, no, they did. I'm sorry. They had they had the subtitles. I think it was like simplified. But like they had like like what like what like uh, Italian and French and like all all your other like Western languages. I, I could have watched this in German, but right. I can't watch it in Chinese. <laughs> I don't understand. Unless there's some sort of licensing thing with the wine, with the Weinstein. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent is like we'll take care of distribution, and then you know Weinstein to the thing. He always there was like, well, this is my movie now, and I'm gonna do what I want with it, and screw what you want. Any other person who was involved, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I was Nicole. so mad. I was so mad. I was just like, what do you mean? I can't. You know, like every. Every anime on Netflix, I can put the Japanese soundtrack on and just put English right. subtitles on it if I want to. But, but I, not here. Oh, not the Weinstein Company version. The fight. Yeah. 
Oh, go ahead, David. I was going to say, it just sucks because it's this tightly controlled version. And it's like, there is a better version. You know, for me, what we watched is, is a D. Like there is some oh, stuff yeah. in it enough to like elevate it, not for being a complete F. Uh, but the version that we saw was a D where it's like, it sounds like what you're describing is like, sounds like really solid, like C plus B material. If it <laughs> adds that, that extra story. Absolutely. Right. You know, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> Titan AE fine. It's, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's uh. <laughs> And I'll call out like like the Bloom fight. I think is is beautifully done. I, yeah. I think it's a really pretty scene. Bloom oh, and in the a... Chinese version, you get a hint at their their history. She and oh, they have a history. It's got it's it's somewhat implied, but I'm um, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's like, you ever wonder why I didn't show up? Why I made you wait a week for me and I never came? <laughs> yeah, but but it's this beautiful beautiful kind of little battle between the two because she's got this long flowing red dress and she has this big giant red. Uh, flower on her head and um and just she like kind of just like cascades into the air and the, and the flowers go everywhere and you're right it, it's like that too looked like something straight out of hero cool stuff but maybe just not used to its to its fullest potential no. unfortunately uh <laughs> so as we begin to to close out nicole you just put that this movie's cringy and it is like there is some cringy yeah. dialogue in the first even like the first 10 minutes is just Bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I. I mean, do do any of us have any energy left after trying to make sense of what we've seen? Uh, I don't know. No, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's cringy how little time they spend with poor grandma. Actually, in both versions, it's like this. It's like they arrive at the soup shop, they say hi to grandma, they sit down, they have a bowl of soup. Grandma goes outside, sits down, looks at the new restaurant next door, coughs. Boom, she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Smash cut, too. Well, what's great is if you go on the Wikipedia for this movie, somebody spent way too much time typing in the plot of this film. <laughs> like, every, like, every minute is basically a paragraph long. But the best is, the family sits down to have soup together as the grandma gives out a small, sad smile, revealing that she is dying. <laughs> <laughs> As one does, a small, a small sad smile. Small oh sad smile. Oh. oh my gosh, Nicole! I'm I'm thinking now of movies where if people don't believe in us, we just go away and don't exist anymore. And for some reason, I'm just circling around Hook because that happens in that movie. Tinkerbell, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like 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 the whole the whole like final act of Hook. God, Hook. We should. God forbid we no, watch Hook someday. No. I'm going to have uh, to watch that for another podcast, and I, I refuse to have to see it twice. But like the whole the whole third <laughs> act is like, believe Robin Williams' son, believe, and like only his belief can save them. So like that that's like a thing. Um, but like, but this movie is kind of different because it doesn't, it never has that moment where it's like, child, you must believe in order for us to succeed. Like they just surf a flying dude into a colossus that's also next to a freeway which again is just really throwing me uh, i'm exhausted guys uh the the guardian brothers would we recommend this film oh no 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 <laughs> no Why would not I the that? netflix version where they turn you know the the little the little tiny old guy in the red robe that's the earth god for crying out loud and in the netflix version they call him 
Beckett, and he's just like some random yeah. old dude with an, with an <laughs> English name. Yeah, they just bully him, and he like, and he all he talks about is how much he likes to take his pants off. It's weird. <laughs> <sighs> all right, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to discuss go, this. Go and, find the version on YouTube. It sounds. <laughs> I would better. actually recommend that. You know, as like. You want to watch a nice animated movie with your kids? Go for it. It's different. You know, it's got authentic yeah. cultural elements to it. You might have to explain the drinking scene. But other than that, it's, it all translate. you know, it all comes across perfectly well. And it's lovely. There's something yeah. weirdly fitting about this being the final Weinstein co-production because it's so emblematic of just the kind of stuff he pulled like when taking these movies and licensing them and putting them out to western audiences like it's just they did a lot of this <laughs> and oh yeah this is why it took uh, so long for Snowpiercer to get released in the US uh, because Bong Joon-ho would not put up with that yeah. and he just held out for until he got to release the cut that he wanted Shout out to the TNT show. It's actually pretty good. I don't know if you guys have seen it. but uh, I've actually heard decent things. Yeah, it's got like Jennifer Connelly and stuff. It's pretty good. Uh, I digress. All righty. The Guardian Brothers. You Check it out probably on YouTube if you want to go ahead and check out at least a marginally better version that isn't quite as problematic and doesn't have kung fu fighting in it, which is always a plus. <laughs> that um, is correct. But it does have Careless Whisper, which is also a plus. <laughs> Yeah, knowing so, that that's actually part of the original DNA does make it better. It does. It really does. All righty. Well, let's go around the horn. David, where can people find you online? Under Davluz, that's D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter and Instagram. Find me there. Very good. And what about you, Nicole? I take care of our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Podcast. Fantastic. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. Email the show. We'd love to hear from you. Hi, hi at mgrpodcast.com. If you'd like to go ahead and leave a review for the show, we would love to read it and pat ourselves on the back. That that's always a nice thing. We got one. I don't think I told you guys this. We, what? Some, I know some some nice some nice lad or, or lad s. I don't know what the female version of lad is. Um Lass. Lass, yeah. Idiot. This movie is... I'm exhausted. Uh, another movie <laughs> review podcast? Yes, but this one is worth it. Swapping themes every week. They bring a fresh array of titles all the time. Personally, I'm always looking forward to my next recommendation. And they never fail in bringing something that I've either never heard of or something I've always been meaning to get to. Thank you, Multiverse Bracketologist. That is, yeah. That's a hell of a Thank username. You. I love that. All righty. Well, we appreciate that. But if you'd like to go ahead and follow in their footsteps... You can do that on iTunes and on Podchaser. But uh, that'll do it for myself, David and Nicole. A reminder, next week is Future Classics. Check out the movie in the show notes, and we will uh, watch that then. It's David's pick. So we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.